Welcome to the RC360 Road Trip. This week's destination is the Firefighters Museum of Winnipeg. Let's take a look. It's our road trip segment, and today it finds us at the Winnipeg Firefighters Museum, and I'm here with Ted Karaluk, the past president of the Winnipeg Firefighters Museum. Ted, thank you so much for joining us today and for the tour. Oh, my pleasure. There's so many interesting historical artifacts here from Winnipeg's history as it pertains to uh, some of the major fires that have happened in the city and the history of firefighting here in Winnipeg. Can you give us sort of a brief overview of, of what the museum's all about and why it's important to uh, look back at some of this history? We're one of the only museums in Canada, actually, to my understanding, in North America, that is in a working fire hall and once was a working fire hall. Uh, this was a fire hall from 1903 to 1990. Fire halls of the time in that were all built basically for horse-drawn apparatus response, which was slower and uh, not as easy to get at. So they were actually quite close together when they were built. The uh, fire halls today, of course, you can respond uh, a lot further, a lot quicker. So they're, they're a lot further. So this became redundant. And Mayor Norrie dedicated this fire hall to the firefighters uh, in 19, uh, 1982 uh, at the time of our centennial. And we're very pleased and proud. And we think we're doing the city proud with it. And we've got a lot of stuff to see here. And it's really incredible how much uh, detail that there is in terms of preserving different artifacts or, or going back. You also have a, an extensive archive that we just saw um, that has clippings from virtually every single article about fires in you know the past however many, you know, decades and decades of info. Yes, in our library, we've got uh, a newspaper archives that actually uh, my wife has looked after and made for about, I guess it's probably close to 30 years now. She's got every article that was printed in the local papers and then some, and it's articles that are good and bad. There's good news stories and, of course, the tragedies that, that go in there as well. And they're very, very valuable to us because we're able to trace locations and, and and incidents, uh, you know, going back uh, prior to Winnipeg being a city of 18, uh, 1874. That's amazing. Yeah. And you can see the wall has got binders and binders and binders full of articles. Here we are. Uh, we're actually in the second floor of the museum. I, I guess you've got to look at it in the picture of what it was. Firefighters at the turn of the century actually lived in the fire hall. Every room, as you can see, is a bedroom or was a bedroom with a washroom and, and whatnot. This area where we're sitting, standing in right now was what we call the sitting room. And this would be a re relaxing area that, that uh, you would read a book. During my day, there was actually a huge 6 by 12 pool table in the middle here, and the guys used to you know, spend some time uh, in recreation doing that. How many uh, firefighters would be staying here at any given time? In the station's heyday, it would have been around 16 or 17 firefighters would be uh, would be here. But let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that teamwork, and that's really illustrated by some of the things that we saw downstairs. We have a hose wagon that you were showing us a little bit earlier that dates back from 1882. That's correct. That is a uh, 1882. 
uh, hose wagon and actually what makes it unique is it's hand-drawn. This would have, would have been used during uh, the volunteer days and it's basically a hose reel on a wagon with two large wheels and it would be pulled by well whatever volunteers you would have uh, probably four people four maybe five people would push this and there were hydrants they were nominal they were minimal but the city did have hydrants and you'd hook it up to a hydrant and you'd have hydrant pressure to uh, to fight your fire with. It was archaic but it did work. And then uh, upgrading from that a little bit, we had uh, some of the steamers here. What we have is an 1884 steamer, uh, and basically it's a steam engine with a pump that was horse-drawn. Every fire department steamer at the time had a name. They were named after mayors of the day. We don't name our fire trucks now, but the, uh, the Alex Logan here is a, a very, very pristine piece that we're very proud of. It does have a siren that I can show you. Okay, yeah, and, let's hear it. And it's, uh, this one would have been pulled by two or three uh, horses. The driver sits alone uh, on a perch that's not very big. And with the trampling feet right in front of you, I'm, I really wouldn't want the job of the driver. But... Well, with the foot pedal, that's what he would be uh, operating his siren with, and that's uh, the gong that would be uh, scaring away the horses and scaring away the dogs and whatnot as, as they'd be flying down the street with the hooves just a trampling. And speaking of horses, the area behind us used to be a stable, you mentioned. Correct. So where we came into the building where I let you in, that, of course, as you're right, was a stable. Uh, above it, on the second floor above that, was oat bin, hay loft, tack room, storage, and everything uh, that would be associated with the horses. The horses in the station, they were very well trained. All the harnesses and whatnot were all pre-attached. They were pre-attached to the apparatus. There was a whole maze of, of quick-release ropes and whatnot suspending the harnesses from the ceiling. When a alarm would come in or be, be transmitted to the fire hall, the floor man, the man who would be responsible here, he had the ability to open the correct gates and doors from the stable doors. The horses were trained. They walked out on their own and stood in front of their respective apparatus. At the right time, someone would release the harnesses. They'd drop on the horses. A couple of straps, bridle, what one thing or another that had to be strapped. Within basically seconds, the horses were ready to go. Speaking of that response, we can see here the call and response system. So how uh, you know how calls were received. Tell us a little bit about how that worked. If, well, if it was, there was obvious, nine one one. Isn't that the way it's done? <laughs> Actually, long, long, long before nine one one. Alarms were transmitted by fire alarm pole stations on intersections, in the street corners, in all the residential and commercial areas. And there were hundreds of alarm boxes. It, would, it was basically a telegraph system. You would pull the alarm box, it would transmit a three-digit code to the central station, and that would be dispatched to all the fire halls, and it would ring the gong, and it would run it through a ticker tape system you would read the number, the responding number on a, on a master legend, and you would know if the respective apparatus had to go. It was actually quite unique for its day, but it was nothing like the, nowhere near like the computer-aided dispatch that cities have uh, today. <laughs> Let's take a walk over sure. here uh, to some of the uh, the fire engines. One here has been beautifully, beautifully restored, and the other is, is still in 
remarkably good condition. It's got a little bit of wear on it from its time. Tell us a little bit about these. We have two Canadian-made LaFrancis. One is in 1928. Uh, that is the one that's been totally restored by our guys. It was a, a complete frame-off restoration. Every piece was sandblasted and painted and restored to its, to its day. It's, it's quite a, a good-looking piece. The other uh, is a 1930. Uh, also a Canadian made, they're called La France Fomites. And it's not even dented, but there is a, a lot of uh, use on it and it, we're very proud of it. This one piece, the 1930 La France, during the 1950 flood, was uh, parked on the top of what is now Churchill Drive, which was a dike to protect the Fort Rouge in Winnipeg and mostly the municipal hospitals, which is now the Riverview Complex. But uh, this this pump actually uh, sat on the top of what's now Churchill Drive and pumped from one side of the river water to the riverside to protect the uh, sewage and the overflow systems from building up. And uh, we were told that it pumped for two and a half weeks straight at its prime time during the flood. That was just before the pump was retired. So right to the end, it protected the citizens. The crews, every eight hours, they would come in and throw a quart of oil in and fuel it up with fuel. And it just kept on chugging, pumping to capacity for that length of time. Pretty amazing for a 1930 La France. Absolutely. So if any of our listeners would like to come and visit the museum for themselves, how can they get in contact? We're open by appointment during the week any day. Uh, We're open for visitors on Sundays between about uh, 10 o'clock and about 2 o'clock. We have volunteers here every Sunday. You can book a tour at 942-4817 or uh, through the internet at uh, winnipegfiremuseum.ca. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Ted, for the the wonderful tour of the uh, Firefighters Museum. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming on the RC360 road trip. See you next week, same time, different place.